everybody just take a deep breath and go shake it off forget about everything that happened at home today forget about what happened last week forget about what's to come this week just take a minute and let god work on your heart amen, amen. my message today is called enemies pastor norm talked about friends last week so i felt like oh cool i'll god put in my heart to speak about the enemies in our lives we have, and I call it my bubble. Everybody's got a bubble, right? You've got enemies outside your bubble. You've got enemies in your bubble. And you've got enemies inside of bubbles inside of you, right? So I'm going to take each area and explain a little bit and talk about it. And I'm hoping that God's going to get a hold of your heart. And I'm missing our girls from the bear I really am. They couldn't make it today because we're getting the bus signage done, and she couldn't get it done by this weekend, and they just couldn't come. So everybody say, hi, girls, we miss you. <laughs> They're a big part of our church, aren't they? So, okay, so we all have enemies in our life, and we try to protect ourselves and our families from those that hate us. I hate that word, hate. <laughs> I don't use it very often. I think it's interesting that God tells us to do just the opposite. He actually tells us to love those who don't care for us. And even those same people that want to harm us, he says to love them. That's not easy, is it? Matthew chapter 5 says, in 43 through 47, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In, every, in other words, we all live under the same thing whether you're good or evil, he doesn't make, it doesn't matter. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And it's not easy to do. Today, again, I want to share about the enemies in our lives and how to love them. We all have a bubble around us. So let's look at the enemies outside, inside our bubble, and inside of us. First, outside your bubble. So God wants you to love your enemies. How do you love those that are hateful or unlovable? First, you pray for them. Then pray that God can change your heart. Put your finger on your heart and say, my heart. My heart. Did you realize you can't change somebody else's heart? No matter how you try. You know, I love it when wives say, well, my husband needs this. Or the spouse will go, oh, my wife needs this, not me. Well, you can't change that other person. You can only change you. That's important. 
So pray that the Lord will give you heavens and ideas and lead you on what to do next with those that you're ministering to. We need to love those that aren't easy to love. If we don't, who will? Did I see you point at her? <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> By loving those that are not easy to love, we're doing what Jesus did. It isn't always the same situation. You might just want to be listening to someone or just be there for them. You don't always have to quote scriptures and preach at them. Sometimes a silent witness is best. Let your light shine. When we realize that hurting people hurt people, then we can see beyond the old crusty surface. The more people have been hurt, the harder they are. And you just need to find that crack somewhere in their heart to get in and be able to minister to. But it isn't easy. A long time ago, and this, every time I think, and I've shared this before, but to me it was so life-changing. Um, when Pastor Norm and I were in Bible college, I worked at the dry cleaners. That was a fun job. In Springfield, Missouri, where the humidity was 130%, and those dry cleaner blowers had no air conditioning. So the minute you walked in there, you were drenched. But I loved working there. It was such a field of people who need Jesus. They were hard-hearted people. And they'd had a lot of Bible students who had tried to come in and were preaching up a storm at them, and they just got a wall put up. So I started working there, and I was doing alterations. And a lot of the, the dry cleaner people would come around and try to make fun of me. I mean, they literally would, at this time, you could smoke in establishment. They'd literally blow smoke at me while I was doing the sewing machine. And I just would go, Lord, just give me something. And they would say jokes because they knew my face would turn red. I was so embarrassed. It was just me. I mean, you could, even now, if you say something, I turn 80, 80 shades of red. That's just me, but they didn't know that. So there was one lady, and her name was Ann, and she worked back in the pressers, and she was tough. She was one tough cookie. I mean, she would rather deck you than say anything, and she did a lot. She was known for hitting. And I thought, oh, Lord, what do I do? How do I? And I don't even remember what I did, but I would just listen. And I'd bring her a little something. And we began to talk. And we began, she began to share. And she shared her life story on how she had like 12 brothers and sisters. She was the oldest. She had, to, all she had ever known was how to iron. And that's what she did to help their family. She raised those kids. Her mom sounded like she was a mess. One of the kids were murdered. It was just one of those things you just listened to and you went, whoa, no wonder she was so hard. And I got to know I never even said a word about Jesus. I just kept ministering to her. And she started becoming my friend. And it was so cute because she hadn't met Norm yet. And one night I was working the later shift in the evening and Norm had walked in from the back doors and Ann saw him literally 
got between me and Norman was like this. I'm like, Ann, Ann, no, that's my husband. Don't do that. <laughs> she was so protective. God made a bond that I can't even explain. And like I mentioned, I had never said anything about Jesus. And because he isn't here, in here, I'm going to throw him under the bus. Troy was about four years old, I think. And he had heard me praying for him, for Ann at home. Well, one day I invited Ann to come over and have coffee at our place. And so we were sitting there having coffee, and little Troy came out of his bedroom, and he goes, you need Jesus. Do you want Jesus in your heart? And I just went, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> She's going to duck me. And she just looked at him, looked at me, started crying, and said, yes, I do. That was the experience of ministering to someone who's so hard-hearted, so crusty, that nobody even wanted to talk to her. But there are people like that today, and we need to be the ones to minister to them. It isn't that hard just to go, hi. I have so much fun in the grocery stores. I'm known for the grocery stores. I have a blast, and I, I try to minister. It isn't that hard to do. Like I said, you do not have to be a theologian. You do not have to preach or shove Jesus down people's throat. That's not what we're about. Yes, it's important to get them saved. But that's God's business. Our business is to show him. I've thought many times about that experience as a dry cleaner and how it changed how I minister to hurting people. It's up to us to share Jesus with those that are lost. We aren't supposed to shield ourselves from those from the world, but be with them and give them the light of Jesus. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It knows, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown down and trampled underfoot. Do you think they lived in Michigan at this time? <sighs> I hadn't thought about it until I read it this morning. I'm like, that's how they got the idea to put salt down. <laughs> Just kidding. 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. So if we aren't being salty, then it's a tasteless place. If we don't show our light to expose the darkness, then how will anybody be able to see? It just takes a speck of light and blackness to show. You can be that speck of light. Hopefully you're a floodlight, but whatever God has for you, do it. It's not that hard. I have this example in there, but I don't even know if I should share this one. This is a side note. When I was a little girl, we had those water softeners that you put those salt pellets in. I used to sneak downstairs and grab the salt and suck on them, <laughs> grab them out of the softener. I mean, that's just wrong, isn't it? 
That's just wrong. But yet, what? I, oh, never mind. But what if we're too salty? I thought about, I had to, I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I said, Norm, can I say this? Is this theologically correct? <laughs> what if we're too salty? A little salt tastes good, but when you start eating spoonfuls of salt, unless you're a weirdo like me and you like salt, it'll almost make you sick, won't it? Yeah, I got a bag of potato chips from the store the other day, and I, they must have dumped the salt machine because I can love salt, especially salty potato chips. Oh, they're the best. But these were so salty, I couldn't eat them. I had to throw them away. So what I'm relating to this is, if all you do is hang around people who are Christians, you have your little groups where you have Christianese all the time, and you're afraid to go out into the world, oh, they're, they're bad people, they don't know Jesus. Oh, well, I'm not getting near them because they don't know Jesus. Are you being too salty? You know, the girls from the bear have changed my life and changed our church family. And they're a breath of fresh air. It's so much fun. And, and it, it, they just bring this place to life. I don't want to be so salty that we're no good. So if you're only hanging out with Christians and shielding yourself from the world around you, that isn't good. A professor shared with me once in a class that we had at Bible college, you know, pastors have this idea that everybody's going to love them, or you can always win everybody over. He says, I just want you to know not everyone is going to like you, so don't get upset if they don't. <laughs> That was probably some of the best advice I ever got. Because sometimes I'll look at somebody and go, they don't like me. I don't have to force myself on them. So don't get offended. Just keep looking for those that want your love and support. I've said that over and over. Sometimes people get so upset and they leave. And we obviously we internalize that. It's like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? What could I have done different? How could I have made it better for them? And then I stop and say, wait a minute. They left. They don't want to be here. There's enough people here that need our love and support that God's going to put in our path. I'll still pray for them. But love those that want to be around you. Love those that God puts in your path to love on and love you. Now, I know there are people in your life that irritate you, rub you the wrong way. Again, what if you minister to them like Jesus ministered to people? Did he go up to somebody and go, oh, you're here again? Didn't I pray for you last week? Come on! He was so loving and so gentle. We need to be loving and gentle. And I'm talking to myself as, as much as I'm talking to you. We need to be loving and gentle. Take the risk and love someone who is unlovable today. Did you know that every time you reach out to those that are hard to love, you're doing it to Jesus? That's kind of scary, isn't it? 
Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow. So that irritating, obnoxious person that's in front of you, you have to look at him and go, that could be Jesus. <laughs> so I truly believe if we start ministering to the unlovable around us, those that are our enemies, that God is going to give us an increase in the church. As we show the love of Christ to those who need it, then we'll start seeing a change in our church and our community. So love those enemies outside your bubble. Now the next one is loving those enemies that are inside your bubble. That means your friends, your family. Sometimes that's hard to even love. Oh, I'm not going there. Sometimes loving enemies can be someone close to you. When you're betrayed by someone in your inner, which I call that bubble, the inside, your inner circle, those that you trust, you share, you believe that they have your best. When you're betrayed by someone in your inner circle, it can, it can spin your world. And I say this is a tough one. It really hurts. I can remember when we first were saved, Pastor Norm and I, we were so excited. We had to tell everybody. And we went and we wanted to share the good news of Christ to our family. Well, it didn't seem to have the impact we thought it would. Matter of fact, it was the opposite. Norm's family thought we were just down and outright crazy. My family thought we were nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did a, a one any change in our life. And Norm was a different person. And so was I, but it was so dramatic with Pastor Norm because he quit drinking, he quit smoking, he, he quit doing everything, and it was a total change. He actually smiled. <laughs> I mean, we weren't used to it. And seriously, when he first got saved, I thought he had probably messed up on one too many drugs and he finally bit it. But that's not what happened. God totally cleaned him up. It was amazing. That is why we are here today, because we feel like if God could do that in our lives, he could do it in anybody's. And it's so exciting. Even though it was 30-some-odd years ago, it's still exciting. So we just assumed when we sat down with our families, they were going to share this excitement and get saved too. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can even remember sitting down with my sister. She spent the night one night. And she looked at me and she goes, Barb, you're using this Jesus thing like drugs or alcohol. I went, oh, I think you're right. And it's wonderful. <laughs> now, since then, my sister is saved. Her and her husband, are they go to Grand Blank Church. They've been in the church for years. They were part of the sent ministry to Grand Blank. So... God did finally get a hold of her heart, but not that night. <laughs> and again, that's when we learned. When we figured out our families didn't respond the way we thought they would, we didn't know what to do. 
At first we were hurt, crushed, a little angry. Then we finally realized we needed to back off and pray and let God do his work. We would go to family functions. We wouldn't mention what we were doing for God. Where a lot of family, a lot of people feel like they need to say, I'm a, I can't drink that. I believe in Jesus. And he does, you know. Yes. But you're only hurting your family. But when you can sit there and silently pray and show them what God's doing in your life, I can guarantee you now they come to Pastor Norm and ask for prayer. They listen to us online where before they wouldn't even listen. It took a long time, but God did some miracle works. So you need to realize to back off and pray and let God do his work. That's why in your inner circle, you want to rely on some people, but you don't want to totally rely on them. You need to make the Lord your go-to for strength and encouragement. When I get hurt by someone close to me, it's really hard, and I try to take a deep breath, forgive them, and move on. But you need to keep praying for them. Communication is a key. Whenever you're upset, talk to that person. Don't go to another person. Talk to that person, because I can guarantee you 99% of the time, it's wrong communication. And when you talk to that person, they'll say, that's not what I meant. We've had it happen so many times here in the church. You know, Pastor Norm will be walking down the hallway. He's thinking about his message. He's pouring out, and he walks by somebody, and they go, he didn't say hi to me. He must be mad at me. I can't believe he didn't say hello. What have I done to offend him? Then they go to Sister Papoofnik. Did you hear what Pastor Norm did to me? And it just explodes. When Norm didn't even know he did anything wrong. So don't go to someone else before you've gone to that person. And I've tried to get in the habit. When someone starts to tell me about somebody, I'll pull my phone out. So let's call them. Let's call them right now. Let's see what, oh, no, no. Well, if you don't want to tell them, don't tell me. And I believe our church family is a loving family. I don't see too much griping. I don't see very little gossip, ever. And I'm so thankful for our church family. God is moving in a mighty way. He has something special for us. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. So, when you get hurt by someone in your inner circle, pray. Go to that person if you need to. But I just want you to realize, and this helps me a lot, Jesus had a hard time ministering to his own family. So if he had a hard time, we're going to have a hard time. So in Mark 3, it says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Then Jesus' mothers and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus said, 
who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. That inner circle. You've got those kind of people around you. Snuggle in next to them. So when you're hurt by your, your family or close friends, it makes it hard to try and get close to anyone else. I've experienced this over and over. I have to really work on it because I don't want to hurt anybody. And sometimes I have. I have not intentionally. So I try really hard to, to work on that. But you have to put your trust in the Lord. Don't let the enemy get between you and your family or those in your inner bubble. Pray for them and let the Lord do what he does. So, the third bubble, the most important bubble, and it's really not a bubble, but we are our own worst enemies. I don't know about you, but I'm glad there's not a self-destruct button in me because it would have exploded years ago. Have you ever feel like you failed God? Or you don't feel that you're good enough to do what God has called you to do? We can get so upset with ourselves that we create an enemy in us. You watch someone minister and you think, oh, I wish I could pray like that. Oh, I wish I could talk like them. And sometimes, have you ever noticed, you even try to be like them? I love it when teenagers get together because you can see the one that's kind of like the alpha, I call them the alpha teenager of the group. You know, they use their hands like this. All of a sudden you see the other kids using their hands like this. You know, saying, dude, don't you know? That's, you want to you be like those people, the cool people. You want to be like someone. We try to imitate everything they do. Then you find out it just doesn't work. I can remember I'd watch um, when we were at the other church, Mary Jo Williams, Pastor Dave's wife. She is the sweetest lady I've ever seen. She's so and she loves on people and she goes, oh, you're just so precious to God. And I thought, oh God, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And if anybody knows me, I'm loud. I'm klutzy. I say what's on my mind, but I have tempered it in my older age. But it's still there. That's just me. But I thought, I got to have that if I'm going to be a pastor's wife. So I go, Martha Joe. Just pray for me. Pray for me that I can be like you. Pray for me. And I would be at the altar going, please, God, please. So the next weekend, I'd be like, oh, let me pray for you. And then by the end, ooh, 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 it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. That's what I'm talking about. We are our own worst enemies. You know, sometimes, ooh, did you see these glitter shoes? Oh, I like those. Those are so much cooler than my shoes. I want to see if I can wear them. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, here we go. 
Here we go. Oh, oh, ooh, oh, ooh. I can't even, I can't even get them. Oh my goodness. I oh, oh, oh. Okay, they're on. They're on. Let me try the other one. Okay, here we go. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Ah. Okay, I fit in them. I am beautiful. Oh, this is not working. Ow, I can't get them off. Oh, oh, cramp in the leg, cramp in the leg. Darn, they don't fit. Let me get my leg down. You know, we can't fit in anybody else's shoes. We can only fit in the shoes that God gives us. Not somebody else's, even though they're pretty. They're not the shoes meant for you. God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly who we are and why he created us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He knows what he wants you to do. So if we're God's handiwork, then how can we fail? We just need to keep trying. And don't have what I call self-pride. A lot of times this happens more than pride. Oh, you did such a good job. Oh, it was all God. I had nothing to do with it. Or I can't do that. I just, I, I, he can't use me. I can't do this. Someone else needs to do it because I'm just not good enough. If you're thinking those things, who do you think you are? So what you're saying is God made a mistake? The Lord's a liar? He's got a ministry for you, and if you're rejecting it, it's on you, not God. You can't fit in the pretty shoes. You need to fit in the shoe God gave you. Don't become an enemy of yourself. It, you know, and again, I, I want to just preface this. It's okay to learn from others. I love watching women preach and getting ideas on how to preach better. That's, that's okay. But God has a specific mission for you, and you need to walk in that with confidence, even if it's scary. When God calls us forth, it's our job to follow through, even though it might not make sense. That happens more than you think. When we first came to this church, we had no clue. <laughs> we were like deer in the headlights. And we had to get on our knees and say, okay, God, what do we need to do now? There were so many variables here at the Hope when we first started. And God was with us the whole time. Our, our number one scripture was Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's just a given. No matter what you do, if you're doing it with, for the Lord, you can do it with his strength. 
And Norm and I would take time to pray when a situation came, came up and didn't know what to do. And time and time again, the Lord came through with the answer. We didn't give up. We made mistakes, no doubt. We've made a lot of mistakes over the years. But most of the time, God has done miracles. Hopefully, you've learned today about some enemies. Some enemies outside your bubble, inside your bubble, and the enemy that you make in you. Don't let it happen. We need to conquer those enemies with the word of God, prayer, and action. Now today, we're going to do communion. And I ask to have it done at the end because I wanted you to have a chance to search your hearts. Make sure that you have, if you have enemies or you feel like you've been hurt, this is your time to clean, to be able to say, God, just use me. Or maybe you've been afraid to do anything in ministry. I want you to search your heart and say, Lord, what do I need to do? Help me to minister to enemies. Help me to minister to my family. Help me to minister to myself. And with that, after we do communion, I hope we'll probably have an altar call, a prayer time. So with that, Martha Jo, she's going to do communion this morning. And I'm going to step back. Oh, did I spill my water? I did. You can't take me anywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, today, as we're going to take communion, before we get started, is there anybody who has not been served the elements? Raise your hand. There's several here. And hold them up so that you can get it. There you go. And usher's coming. Yay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, as, as Pastor Barb was talking today, this is a, our time of reflection. Because as we take communion, we need to reflect on what Jesus did for us as a great sacrifice for our salvation, for our healing, for deliverance. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 28, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For the one who eats and drinks without discerning Christ eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. And that is why many are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And so Paul is telling us before we take communion that we are to examine our, our hearts, meaning to do a heart check right before. Because the, taking a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, we need to do that because one, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should not be taking communion until you do. And, and so, please, no looking around. 
is, is there anybody here today who needs to make their peace with the Lord? Would you raise your hand? Because we can pray that prayer of salvation. This is a wonderful opportunity right before communion. Hallelujah. Well, it looks like all of us are born again. Hallelujah. So that's a good thing. But there's another reason. The second reason is we need to make sure that we are up to date with God regarding unconfessed sins or unsurrendered areas in our lives. And so to perform a heart check on yourself. And so as we do that, let's take a moment right now and ask the Holy Spirit to show us if there's any unconfessed sins. If you've held unforgiveness toward yourself, if you've held unforgiveness towards anybody in the outside bubble or the inner bubble, let the Lord speak to you and just confess it to him right now as we do a heart check. Holy Spirit, have your way. So the word of the Lord says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25, For I pass on to you what I received of the Lord himself. On that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let us take the bread together. same way he took the cup also after supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again so let us take the cup together We praise you. We praise you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. Hallelujah. You know, if God has spoken to your heart while Pastor Barb was speaking today, The Lord wants to do a work in us. It seems like he's pulling away layers to get to the tender part of our lives. And that's so that he can use us for his glory. And so if he's spoken to your heart, come forward and just love on the Lord. 
You know, we don't want to lose that art of waiting on the Lord. The Word of God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know? And there's times where we need strength. We need to wait on the Lord. So if, if God is just laying on your heart to come forward, come forward, receive from the Lord. Lord, this morning I will make room. I will make room for you. I surrender it to you, Lord. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you. Yes, I do, Lord. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever. Come on in, Lord. Come on in, Jesus. 
I know Martha Jo said some are having layers pulled back. And when she said that, I said, yeah, but there's some that are having chunks cut out. Maybe you need your chunks cut out. Woo, just throw them out. Get rid of them. And don't let the enemy get to you. God is moving in a big way. Again, I see this church pouring in people that need Jesus. Not just a coffee club or praise God. That's all good. But this church wants to go after the ugly, the I don't mean anybody's ugly. But the worn out, the dirty, the stinky. You got to put your arms around them and love them. And if you're doing that and showing them Jesus, they're going to want to be where you go. So church, it's up to you to draw them in. We need to get out into the community. And this 2024, we're looking at every avenue we can to get out into the community. So be looking for it. Be excited about it. Be a part of it. Father God, I thank you today for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. Now, I just ask that you bless each one here as they go out. Keep them safe going home, out to eat, or whatever they're doing. But Lord, we just thank you and praise you that you're willing to use us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless. Thank you.